0: Welcome to another episode of the Strong Family Project Podcast. I'm Joe, joined by Mel, and today we're talking about patience. Let's see what I did there? I made I should people have waited. wait for about two seconds. <laughs> you showed a lack of patience, which we're going to be working on this episode.
1: Welcome back to the Strong Family Project Podcast, where we guide you on the path to raising confident, independent, and resilient children in a strong and patient family environment.
0: I see what you did there. Okay, Okay, yeah, played it right back. All right.
1: (laughs) So when I'm thinking about a topic for us to address, I oftentimes refer back to the strong family path, to the seven elements, because that's really the core of what we're talking about here. And also this week, there's a couple examples that came up around patience, and I thought it was worth talking about. So the element that I'm really referring to is the relationships within the family. So again, just like a little recap, obviously we are at one big family unit, but within that family unit, there are multiple individual relationships, duo or trio relationships, and it's important to keep a pulse on how everyone in the family is doing.
0: Yeah, to give you some specifics, Mel and I have a relationship. Mel has a relationship with each child. I have a relationship with each child. Each child has a relationship between themselves as well. So even though we're a family unit, there's a lot of dynamics at play that we need to be aware of.
1: Like... Like it's different if the three kids hang out versus just two with the kids hanging out. Okay. So I have a couple, I want to start out with a couple of examples and really to illustrate the fact that each of the kids and each person in the whole world is so unique and different in how they handle situations and the kind of needs that they have. But I do think no matter what, patience from the adults in the family is really important to role model and just to work on ourselves. And a little background, I am usually a very patient person that cup for me is usually very full but I noticed that this past week it's been tested a lot like a lot of water is being taken out of my cup and I'm just struggling with that and I thought it but it occurred to me that I have to give different kinds of patience to each kid and that's where my examples come in so I'll start with a simple example so we have a kindergartner and he's at school all day I pick him up and we went to one of Henry's soccer games and I'm there to try to support Henry and watch his game and I'm excited about that but Everett just won't stop talking (laughs) and not like a bad thing he's just telling about his day and sometimes you're like half listening and you're saying "Uh uh-huh but you're not really listening so then I felt guilty because I'm trying to watch the game but that's just an example with him of my patience was just running low and I was really struggling to give him what he needed while trying to watch the game and that was one way I noticed that the patience was wearing thin
0: with Everett at the games, if you don't listen to him, then you can go play on the side. And he gets into a little bit of shenanigans on the side. A semi-side story is that there's a little bit of a rock cliff over by Henry's soccer game. And Everett climbed up to the top and he looked at me and gave me like a little thumbs up. <laughs> can I climb down this? And I gave him like a, a thumbs sideways, which means, hey, it's your decision. And so he shrugged and he went down and it's probably five feet tall. And he went down facing out. Can imagine climbing down a ladder facing the wrong way would feel weird. I'd want to face in, but he got halfway down and stuck. And I looked over at him, and I'm up in the bleachers, and he's over on the sledge, and he just gives me a mm, <laughs> thumbs down. Like he wasn't upset. He wasn't like screaming for help. I thought he handled it very well, but he just held there, knowing that he got himself stuck, and someone had to go help him off. But he'll get into shenanigans, and off to the side while we're trying to watch the game. And so it does require some of that patient energy. Although I thought in that situation, he showed a good resilience.
1: He sure did. And honestly, usually he does go and play. So if this is like the one time that he chose to like hang out with me and chat with me, and I do still feel guilty that I didn't give him what he needed that day. But that's one of the my examples before I go further. I'm gonna give my other examples. Henry, our sixth grader, he's playing soccer. And I, he's, he loves soccer, but he's struggling with the way the season is going because he's not as getting as much playing time. He's just starting middle school, so a lot of the eighth graders get the playing time and, and not him. And he gets very stressed out about it, and then I think it does impact his ability to, to kick well while and things like that because he's so in his head. And what I've been noticing recently is right before he goes downstairs to get ready for bed, he takes that 15 minutes when like the other two are already downstairs to talk with me. And I have that by itself has taken some of my patience because that used to be my time to turn on a podcast and wash the dishes or whatever, but I can tell that he needs me a bit more and he's in a difficult emotional spot where he is a, he, he has to process a lot of the feelings he's having about the game, about the way the season is going. So those are, that, that's my example for him and then my oldest recently has decided that he wants to buy and build a go-kart. Now, if Logan he loves to take things apart, he loves to build things, he loves to figure out the way things work. Like he had a contraption removed from his braces the other day and he like kept it because he just loves seeing how things work. But the way my patience is being tested with him is that he's talking about this go-kart constantly. And now he's talking about all the different ways he can make money, which is awesome. Like it's a great opportunity, but the way he is when I pick him up from practice or whatever, like the second he leaves school or leaves practice, his mind is on that go-kart like a thousand miles an hour and it's all he can talk about. And if you can imagine whatever topic your kid or someone else might be interested in that you might not be. It takes a lot of extra patience to listen to them when it's not like your passion. Now I love it because he's passionate about it, but it's just been draining me lately. So I want to support him without showing him that it's like difficult to listen sometimes. And I wanted to share these examples for two reasons. One, I think people can relate to the fact that each of your kids or even your spouse could do something that either drives you crazy or drains your patience unfills that cup of yours and also I wanted to show you that just like in I mentioned the relationships within the family every kid is going to need something different Henry's the only one that stays up here to talk to me before bedtime like he wants that one-on-one time the other two don't need that or they do it a different way so I think that's important to remember that each kid in the family or even the adults have a different style and a different set of needs when it comes to how much patience is going to take from you so, before I go on, did you have any thoughts? Because I'm talking about. I have a long all time. kinds
0: of thoughts, Mel.
1: Any thoughts you'd like to share?
0: I'll share a couple of thoughts. Okay. Because I want to, to be transparent and, and be vulnerable. Because this process, like you have kids talking at you, and it's nice for us to come up and be like, oh, yeah, we just handle it with supreme patience. It's not always true. It does burn me out too. And so I was at the last soccer game, and I asked him the usual questions after what would you learn? what went well and what do you want to improve for next time? And that last one is his opportunity to, to say some things and we chat through it. And I know that some games go better and some games go worse. And like, sometimes you enjoy playing with your team and sometimes your team's not that great, but you're doing it for yourself. And yes, you are part of a team and you need to support the people on your team. And I, and I complimented on that. Like he gets very frustrated with his own performance that he isn't able to pull out these magical footwork drills and score. And like, it, but he doesn't take it out on the teammates, which is a, uh, a line in the sand for me. You don't make anyone else feel bad because you have a bad attitude. And so we work through it, come home. I'm a big fan of constant gentle pressure. We nudge it forward a little bit. We talked about it. I know he needs time and space. And so I get into my nighttime routine to try to wind down from a long day of work, tons going on at different jobs that I've got going on, working on the podcast, coming up with these episodes. And then I know he's talking to Mel, which means then Mel's going to talk to me. (laughs) And so I heard it once. I dealt with it. Now I'm going to hear it again from a different perspective. Now he's not in the room, so I can't deal with it directly. It's just I need to take a deep breath and listen to it another time before I'm able to go to sleep. And sometimes my patient burns out like I just don't want to talk about this anymore.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) And I know the end of the day is a difficult time to connect and talk about it but it's so hard to just compartmentalize and set it aside because I see my kid hurting. I see my kid struggling and it's difficult to not want to run to you. Who's you're like, you're my person to like bounce ideas off of and like move. Try Let to me move ask forward.
0: you the hard question that I'm sure the listeners wrestle with as well in these situations where, where kids are except any of these three situations and many that you have in your own homes. How do you balance validating their emotions over the situation with moving them past that situation.
1: That is the question. And one yeah, of the I things, just had, yeah, I'll I solve don't... it for people Mel. <laughs> okay. It might take me a little bit to get there because can I go through my list? Cause I feel like I'll answer it as I go through.
0: Absolutely. You okay. just asked me if I had any thoughts.
1: Okay. <laughs> Should I regret asking you that? <laughs> Correct.
0: Continue on your list.
1: Okay. So the first thing I wrote down to think about, and this is oftentimes what I do, is mindset. Like, what is my end game here? What is the goal here? And really, and I do have things typed up because that's my style, I want to raise emotionally healthy kids. That is really my end game here. And I also want to make deposits into my relationship with them so that they will be there. I will be there for them when they truly need me. And some of these things happening right now is some of that playing out. Like they really need us to bounce these ideas off of. They're trying to figure out how to handle emotions or excitement or whatever. And I really try to just see this as opportunities. So even though my patience is wearing thin, I have these conversations inside my head while they're talking. So that I don't impulsively just lose it. And I think that is something I wanted to share, because how many people out there have this conversation going on in their mind when their kid is talking? Now, the conversation might be like, oh, my gosh, I just want them to be quiet. I just want this to be over. But I've shifted from like that self-complaining kind of thoughts in my head to, okay, what can I say to him right now now? is he in a place where he just wants to complain does he want me to help solve this problem and it's simpler with everett because i obviously just know he wants attention and i could say something to him like right now i'm watching the game but what you're saying is so important i want to do that after the game but even then sometimes i might want to give him five minutes and then suggest he goes and plays but with the older kids it gets a little more complex with henry i i sit there and i think to myself how can i help him best because all i want to do is say Listen, enough with the complaining. Here's what you should do. You should just focus on getting better, and here's all the things you should be thankful for. And I want to get him to that place. I want to get him past the emotional part to the problem-solving part. But the conversation inside my head, I was noticing he wasn't ready for that. No matter what I suggested, how gentle that was, like he had a negative response
0: to it. He was it. going to be no negative no matter what.
1: Exactly. So honestly, at the end, the way I solved that in that moment was I, I walked away because we were done talking and then he just covered his face with a pillow, but I could tell he's just rolling it over. So I, my action step was you need to go shower now and distract yourself. I think anybody can relate to that. Sometimes you're in these moments of, kind of despair, some kind of sadness, and if you just distract yourself read a book, watch a show, go for a walk, listen to music, go just take a shower, go distract yourself. It will shift your perspective because some kids will tend to want to just wallow in that self-pity. And I think trying to bounce him out of that without solving the actual problem. I'm just trying to teach him emotionally that if you're having a really hard emotion, it's okay to try to ignore it and go do something to distract yourself. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And I think that can apply to any situation. So I want them to learn, hey, you're going through some kind of really emotional, a strong emotion. So like for Logan's example, he gets amped up about this. He researches the go-kart. He's got 30 ideas of what he can do to make money. He gets so excitable. And he'll often do this like right before bed and then he can't sleep. (laughs) So it's like, how can you distract yourself? Set this aside for now because you might not be able to do anything about it right now. And just relax and regroup. Because a lot of times these discussions, like when we talk about the evening debrief, they happen at bedtime. They happen at the end of the day. And it's like, how do you shift from having this like highly emotional moment to helping your kids um, move past that? But really what I, in this episode, we're talking about patience. And all of that is I really have to tell myself that I have to like work through it. I can't just impulsively blow up. So hope i'm being clear but having that mindset about where we're trying to go with it trying to show that have a conversation inside your head so that you don't just impulsively respond because as soon as there should be like a chart where as patience reduces the likelihood to just blow up increases it's pretty obvious right so i want to try to fight against that and i think thinking about that ahead of time knowing that in your mind helps you to stay calmer
0: do you have more on your list or may i speak now you want to hear some thoughts?
1: I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: I have two thoughts. I'm going to give you one though. Okay. <laughs> because Mel is, she's much better at showing patience in the moment than I am. And I don't get like upset or frustrated. I just move out of this situation. Like, All right, let's just go do this other thing instead. It's not, I think a lot of adults go from lack of patience to like just blown up. And then my thought is this. In any of those situations, try not to make it about you, the adult, to overwhelm the child. And where they'll say, you know, this game went bad. I had a lot of games that went bad, but guess what happened in my day at work? This happened, this person said this, so your game doesn't really matter. So it's like in the big picture, everything that happened bad today happened to me. And like adults blow up in that way and it just like snaps in their brain a little. So you have to constantly tell yourself, this isn't about me, this isn't about me, this isn't about me. Let them work through it. And I, as much as Mel leans on the "Hey, let's talk about it" side, I lean on the "Hey, let's go not talk about <laughs> it" side. I heard you. You're going to say the same thing over and over again to get more and more frustrated. So let's just go do this other thing. And if you want to talk about it again tomorrow, if it's still on your mind, let's do it then. So you create some separation.
1: The funny thing was, so we have such different personalities with respect to this. I do tend to want to talk about things. And I've had to step back a little bit and let the kid do more talking. And I ask a little bit less questions sometimes because sometimes I go a little too far. But that's just who I am in terms of I want to talk about it. I want to talk it through. But the bigger picture here that I'm seeing is my older two are 11 and 13. We are entering these teenage years and I know that they're going to start having stronger emotions and hormones and all these things. And I don't want to like say to them, Hey, it's just hormones because my goal is to teach them how to handle their feelings. But as I'm seeing it, I see patterns and I'm like, oh, is this what my kid's personality is? How can I help them work through this? One kid's more patient than the other. How can I strengthen them in whatever way that I can? So I feel like I'm always looking for patterns. A lot goes on in my head during these conversations. I'm like,
0: I don't know. You want to lift weights and listen to music? (laughs) That's that's the band-aid fix.
1: This is how we're different. I I like sometimes what you do. Like you say, you know what? Why don't you just stop talking about it and just move on?
0: <laughs> we have a supreme clarity around this in our family. So there is communication norms that we have that a lot of other people don't have. Where after a while I can just say, hey, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And then Mel gets it. It's not <laughs> negative things. Hey, we're not, I'm just not talking about this thing anymore. But sometimes then she'll try to say one more thing. <laughs> I I do. I'm just not. I'm not <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> sometimes i gotta give mel a day give me a day
1: it's true don't want to hear
0: anything about that topic we'll talk about it tomorrow
1: i gotta follow my own advice and distract myself i think i get so involved in trying to figure out like who my kid is what their patterns are to want to help them through those things and sometimes i need to hold off so when you say to me hey Like we're done with this for right now. I might be like, oh man. And then uh, five minutes later, I'm like, you know what? I went and I distracted myself with a podcast or whatever. And then I feel better because this too shall pass. This feeling will pass. And I think that's another important piece to teach the kids. If you distract yourself, then the feeling will pass. And then you have an opportunity to re-up the patient. So like yesterday after this conversation, I was so drained and I was like, I don't even want to go put them to bed because I don't know if I have the energy But distracting myself for 15 minutes with a podcast or whatever cleaning up I do, I was already re-energized to go handle it. So the next thing I had written down, and I think I might have already mentioned this, but whenever you spend that time with patients with your child and you have that internal conversation, you are making deposits into that relationship with them. You are strengthening your bond with them. And I think that is always so important. Because I don't want them to think that I'm, that they're not important or that it can be put off. Sometimes it needs to be put off like we just discussed. But at least initially when they're with you and talking to you about it, you are depositing into this. You're investing in this relationship with your kids. I think that perspective helps. Now, my next point was, what if you do lose your cool and your patience is just gone and you do blow up? What then? And I have my ideas, but I wonder what you think
0: (laughs) I prefer to not blow up. I prefer if it's you're chatting to me bad, I just roll over and fall asleep. (laughs) And so I give the message in different ways. Or when I've reached the length of my willing conversation with the children, I will say, so you, you told me the problem. And we talked about some solutions. Do you want to keep talking about it? Or do you want to go do something? And then they get the hint. no, oh, no, I don't want us to keep talking about it. Cause they realize that they are just talking about it. So that's the nudge to be like, Hey, we can talk about the same thing we've been talking about for 10 minutes. Or do you want to go do something else with me?
1: So you give a summary. Cause that sounds like a strategy versus just being like, are we done here? You're like, Hey, we address, we, here was the problem. We, here's the solutions we thought of. Is there more to discuss? That's a really good strategy you're like summing it up, tying it with a little bow. Yeah,
0: you're making a... You're probably giving more credit than <laughs> I deserve with it. We both know I, I get to work with this this cool person, Carly. She's our marketing manager at one of the companies. And this happened at one of our leadership meetings where we were talking about a topic and she explained how she was going to remedy the question that I had about getting to a certain number of something. And then... I could clearly tell she was done talking about it. I was like, "So you want to you keep talking about it?" And she like gets to the narrow eyes. She handles the chop busting extremely well, professional at it. And just, like, no, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm like, sure, you want to keep talking about it? She, I do not want to talk about this anymore. We, even though it's said in jest, it's just clarity. On, like, hey, you got it, you got it, you good? Okay, this is, let's get on to something else then, and do the same with with the family.
1: It's great advice. But
0: I do that instead of. In lieu of blowing up, being like, just stop talking to me. I just don't do that.
1: <laughs> I think it's important to then address the fact that these people will blow up, though. I think I was short with Everett that day at the soccer game. Not like crazy blow up. But I was short with him, and I'm like, I just, I just want to watch Henry's game right now. Like, I, I don't think that I was proud of how I handled it. So my advice to you and myself <laughs> really is, I think it's important that kids see that we as adults make mistakes. So I don't want my kids to see me as someone who's perfect because that's just not true. They're not going to grow up uh, one day, wake up and be an adult and be perfect. That's just not reality. So I think it's important to always be willing to be vulnerable and to be willing to apologize and even just say, tell them where you're at. So I... So my first point was, I want to make sure that they see that I'm not perfect. And someone asked me this question on a podcast that I was um, interviewed on this past week. They said, all these steps of the path sound so great. It sounds like this magical, wonderful thing. But in reality, like day to day, like stuff doesn't happen smoothly every day. There's days that are much more difficult than others. And we've been at this for a while. So we have these like strategies that we rely on and that we work with and our values and all that. But there are days when things just don't go well and she asked me like what's my advice to moms in, in that regard and my advice really was be real with your kids and admit to them that you're not perfect now what i oftentimes will do if something doesn't go well in the evening the next morning i might say to my kids listen last night i really am not proud of how i handled x situation i didn't feel like i was fair to you or i didn't like the way i put it i gave it some thought here's where i'm at so I think it's important that they see that you think about them outside of that situation. They're important enough to you that you spent some time mulling it over. Even last night as I was falling asleep, I thought, hey, maybe I could write a letter to Henry because sometimes face-to-face communication can just make it tougher and you might not be able to think as clearly to what you want to say. And I did do these back and forth journals all summer and, and he really seemed to, to vibe with me when we did that. So I will be doing that. So I think it's, like I said, it's okay to admit to them that you made a mistake, that you didn't respond the way you wished you would. And we are all works in progress. And I just think that's important for them to see. You have to be able to trust your parents to know what to do in situations. But these kind of emotional nuances, every kid is different. Every kid needs different things. I could be over here handling Everett one minute, and then this kid needs this. And they don't always think about how much energy it takes to shift from one need to the next. Or like when you have your several different jobs during the day, you've got to shift focus all the time. It drains you. So I think just gently explaining to them some of these ideas about how life works and how sometimes we're just drained. And it's not. Is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) Listen to the
0: last episode if you don't get that joke. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) That's right. And some, I don't necessarily want to over-explain like an adult to the kid and say, I had a really hard day at work and I was doing this. And so when you hit me with your problem, I didn't have enough patience. I think it's more going back to what you said, don't make it about you, make it about them. And the, in the goal of it being, Hey, we all have tough days. You don't have to get all the details. And sometimes that, that wears on you. And I feel like I wasn't quite there for you the way I wanted to be. Can we try again? Or can I... Take a walk now and listen to what you have to say. Whatever I think that is important, and that's something I learned in when I was a therapist. I remember learning this with my supervisor. She's like, you could always bring it up at the next session. Just because you couldn't address it today and you feel like it's unfinished, right? Make a note, bring it up next time.
0: Yeah. Whenever I say that, I hope you hope you that it never comes yeah, up again. I hope you don't I know. bring it up again. <laughs> talk about it in the morning, and then hope oh, fingers crossed. And honestly, sometimes
1: now. you'll wake up the next day and it all it feels like it's not that big of a deal. And I did do. Henry a favor today. I made sure to see if his friend could come over because I knew if his friend was here all day, it would distract him.
0: This is my last point, and then I am just—I am done talking about it. (laughs) So you don't want to keep talking. I can't. I'm done talking about (laughs) it after this last point. (laughs) Okay. Mel has a lot of high-level emotional responses and inner psychology and stuff. I'm a little bit small-brained, and so sometimes I play this game with the kids. Ever telling me a story that he has already told me. And I'm, I am look around and I'm playing a challenge in my mind. I love challenges. I'm like, I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to not break eye contact. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let him finish his entire story. I'm going to make it. 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 And then I make it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I did it. I listened to the whole thing. It does give you almost like a dopamine release. If you want to talk like the the chemistry behind what it happens, like you, you get a win and you don't interject and yes, I should be listening to all the words a little bit more closely, although I had heard the story already. And I know it's going to be like two or three more minutes. I'm going to get a little twitchy with my hands. I'm going to make it. Come on, this one's tough. Like, uh, it's like a stamina game. And make it, and they feel good about it. And then you give them some feedback on what they said. you got to listen to some of it. That's, <laughs> that's cute. That's the last way I do it. And I'm going to make it to the end of this story. No matter what, here we go.
1: You point out something important we all have our own personalities and ways of handling situations that drain our patients and as i've mentioned in previous podcasts a lot of this thing called parenting is about self-reflection and this is a therapy thing but you go back and let's say you were 10 years old and you were struggling with something did your parents make the time of day to listen to you and make you feel validated and help you move towards a solution. And oftentimes when you look back, if you weren't given what you needed, you can do it differently now. I know that's like a, a therapy thing, but I think it is valid because we need to self-reflect. We joke about this, but Joe knows he's less patient than me. I know I'm more patient, and we are just honest about that. So if that helps us move forward, just admitting, what's your baseline? Like, my patience is here, yours is down here. And let's work with it. What can we do with that? So we have to be honest with ourselves with what, where our strengths are.
0: So that's what we got to say about patience And I'm done talking about it. Me too. Visit us at strongfamilyproject.com where you can download the seven steps of the path. Genuinely having a framework helps you get more patience, understanding what your core values are. Helps you with your patience. Having family meetings figured out and having regular dinner time discussion topics, all part of the Strong Family Path that's free for you over on the website, that all does help. So putting this framework together, but there I go, it said something else about it, and I am.